When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. You like that? Yeah, welcome into a Feedback Friday. No spoilers here. This is not going to be an official Netflix quarterback recap episode. There are a lot of Kirk Cousins questions on Feedback Friday here that we will get to, but we will not spoil anything if you were planning on watching the docu-series throughout the weekend, then we will give you space. You can have that space. And you can listen to our uh, three-part recap, uh, I guess, uh, trio of episodes on the Purple Daily podcast feed. Uh, this show is presented by TCL, which has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, and home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology, you can learn more at TCL.com. And Judd, Feedback Friday is also presented by our friends at Surly Brewing Company, uh, specifically the Before I Die Pilsner, which we had a couple of those earlier this week. Mm-hmm. A little Purple Daily. I got some in the fridge. Show meeting, quote unquote. If and those know. are absolutely delicious. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have not tried the uh, the new Before I Die, which came out in the spring. It's refreshing. It's fantastic. It is a good session beer. So like it's perfect for football because you can consume a few and it will not knock you off your feet and you will absolutely love it. And of course, the whole mission, the whole score North purple daily mission of Phil Judd Declan is before we die, we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. So what better way to prepare for training camp than to couple the mission with the beer that speaks the same language as we do from our friends at, uh, Surly Brewing, Before I Die, now in 12 packs as well, available mm. at your local liquor stores and bars. Yeah. Check it out. It is delicious. Yes. And yes. and you know what again? Show us your cans. It's been a while. Show us your cans. Send us pictures of your cans on Twitter, maybe on threads. Oh, threads. All of us are on threads. on threads. Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. exactly right. Instagram, wherever you want. We're pretty much uh, pretty much everywhere. We are uh, we're omnipresent. Uh, since you since we brought up the show meeting at Surly the other day, we should start Feedback Friday here with a little programming note that Before I Die, we'll be returning, and it'll include Jesse, Thor, and Judd. We're going to have a packed house on the Before I Die podcast every Monday. Uh, Purple Daily on Draft with Declan, Thor, and Tyler Fornis will continue all throughout the season. It's going to be a year-round show going up until next year's NFL draft. And so you can find that. And then obviously uh, Vikings vent line in season edition right after games are over. If you've 
never been part of that before. It's the place to be after Vikings games finish up. So we're already behind the scenes here planning and plotting with training camp a couple weeks away, our fall schedule. Uh, Alex Boone is going to come back and do film reviews. And instead of him and I convening late at night to do these reviews, I'm trying to get him corralled for like a middle-of-the-day session so all of us can be a people like, why why aren't the other guys involved? Because we literally were recording that thing up, up until midnight. Yeah. And you guys are already doing a bunch yeah, of stuff, Yeah, tell Boone, too. come on, man. We're, we're getting old. We need to get our sleep. Yeah, and he sleeps like three hours a night. Yeah, not so. me, man. Yeah, you don't nuts, get no. these great looks that I got right here without a lot <laughs> yeah, of R&R. I, R. I need my eight to nine hours. I'm with Declan. Need it. I'm with Declan. Seven yeah. or seven Boone or needs less? like eight to nine oh. hours a week, and, and he's ready to rock and roll. Crazy. So, so we got all kinds of fun stuff. And if, if you guys have suggestions for what you'd like to see us do or add or segment ideas, Throw them at us, and uh, and we'll look to sprinkle stuff in. For Feedback Friday here, you can always hit us up through the Score North app. There's a feedback link at the bottom of the Score North app, and we just kind of stockpile as many questions and get to as many as we can from the week here. So we'll start with this one. Alex Goodpaster, he says, uh, I'm currently binging the new Netflix show, and I'm on episode three. In this episode, we see how beat up Kirk Cousins gets each game. This got me thinking, why haven't the Vikings made any changes to the offensive line this offseason? Do we really think that Kirk will be able to take another season of these hits? Yeah, the Vikings are bringing back basically their entire offensive line room. I think it's 11 out of 12 returning to the offensive line room, including like the practice squad guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now that you've seen him like grabbing his ribs and pretty much every scene he's like ah, coughing up blood ah, almost, you know. You guys are picking him up. Oh, God. God. You okay? <laughs> You okay? Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Cough up a rib. That one. Mm. So I think there's a few things here. One, and we, we've talked about this. There's no question. He took a beating. And, and first of all, kudos to him because he took that and started every game again. So Kirk deserves, is Kirk tough? There's no question. And I think we have always praised him because his games played, uh, Mark, is pretty damn incredible. That be that being said, I think there's a few things at work, and it's it's also this. If you watch Mahomes' portion of this documentary, it ain't like he doesn't get touched. He gets hit. I, I mean, the fact is, I think we are shocked because we don't – we watch the game, like in my case, from the press box for the home games or, in our case, most of the time on TV. And so you see the long view, and the quarterback throws the ball – and then the camera goes with the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we realize just, and this documentary does a great job of this, how fast this game moves and how brutal this game is. And so I think we're all sort of shocked about like, oh, I didn't realize Kirk got hit that that much. Did he get hit excessively in 2022? Absolutely. I'm not going to debate that. I think he took more hits than any He did. So there's no question. So. There's no question. And I think that you can make a pretty good case that there will be some question marks about if especially Ed Ingram at right guard, you know, if he struggles again, that's a big problem. All of that being said, we also need to take a step back and realize that this game is absolutely a brutal game and quarterbacks get hit. And this is why this goes back to a conversation, Phil, we've been having for years about Kirk, which is this is why it's so imperative to feel the pressure and I and be able to do what Tom Brady could, which was sort of slide around. Now Mahomes can flat out scramble. That's a gift. 
Um, but there's a lot of things at work here, and one is just the insight into what it actually looks like to play quarterback when the camera stays on the quarterback. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to. First of all, the the interior of the Vikings' offensive line is not great at pass protection relative to the rest of the league. So that that is a fact. It's also a fact that Kirk is not as mobile as some of the other top, you know, fifteen ish quarterbacks. Right? He's not as mobile as Mahomes. I don't think he's as immobile as Brady in his 40s. When Like that run against the Cardinals, Kirk can scoot around a little bit, but he's mostly a sitting duck in the pocket. So like that up-the-middle interior pressure with mostly yeah. a sitting duck quarterback, it's 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 kind of shocking that the Vikings have continued. And I get like they've it's not like they haven't tried to address it. Ezra Cleveland was a second-round pick a few years ago. Ed Ingram's a second-round pick. Bradbury's a first round pick. They're literally using first and second round picks on interior offensive linemen. I mean, Cleveland was a tackle that they converted to to guard. So it's it's not for lack of trying with the last two front offices, but to this point, as of right now, they don't do well in pass protection up the middle, and Kirk has suffered for it. So and that's the thing, like in this debate about how far can Kirk take a team. Until the Vikings solve that problem, it's always going to be an excuse or a reason or a thing, right? Well, I mean, what's he supposed to do? He's sitting back there, and he's got ribs coming out of his jersey. What do you want the guy to do? And he's and he is tough as nails. For him to get back in these games and still throw the ball in the fourth quarter like he did um, and have the eight fourth-quarter comebacks knowing how much pain he was in, it is really commendable. But, yeah, I, I guess long answer longer, I am surprised that they have brought back basically the same offensive line, including backups. And you could actually make a case that it's surprising that Ingram was allowed to start all of last season, right? I mean, that could be – like, there was a case to be made. They they did show one, and I think there were like two or three times, where Ingram literally trips Kirk. Yep. And there was one time that they did show this. And so we talked about this. Should Ed Ingram have been benched – in the 2022 season and they didn't now they're banking on that experience helping him but i mean he struggled enough where i think it was justified at times and i think his play did improve eventually but there were certainly there would there would certainly have not been i don't think an eyebrow raised if the vikings had said you know what ed we're going to try something different this week at right guard that's what I was surprised at that they didn't even bring in some other veteran um cuz i think that's the missing ingredient that can take this offense from a fringe top 10 offense into being a top five offense. And what was really weird during the quarterback doc is um, and something I noticed by the end of it. So Mahomes is always out there high-fiving guys. There was like no scene I, I, that I can really remember where Kirk was like praising his offensive line. Not to say he doesn't, not to say just because the cameras were on those scenes that he wasn't also praising his offensive line. But I found it really weird that Mahomes is out there like high-fiving guys after extra points and field goals. And here's Kirk just always like trotting right back to the sidelines, some high fives here and there. But that's yep. it. Yeah. That's it. Mahomes, I've watched Mahomes, Mahomes. Kirk, it, it, I think some of this stuff, it's funny. It does confirm, it confirms kind of both sides, right? If you love Kirk, he he comes off as a great family man, a great studious uh, preparer, accurate, all these things. But then if you have holes to pick too, and, and that's been us throughout the years, a lot of the stuff that you see in this documentary is validated, right? And him not being as much of a rah rah rah, like he's he's not like the guy that gets everyone together on a regular basis, like Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, right? Patrick Mahomes is 
is clearly the leader of the party, right? And Kirk is there to kind of do his job. Sometimes might lead the party, but he doesn't love being in the in the center focus. And I think that became apparent throughout the eight episodes. And the the, the last thing about the protection to keep in mind that's probably um, not obvious, but should be pointed out is, for instance, the perfect example is this: when he takes that hit against the commanders, wh- where he gets the wind knocked out of him and stays down. Okay. And this is sort of a credit to him, but it's part of the problem. That's a deep route to Jefferson. That has to be allowed to develop. So, like, in defense of the O-line there, it's one thing if the if the interior rush just walks right in, which we have seen before, so I'm not defending them completely. But, like, if you are going to have deep routes run, you are going to need to hang in there and take hits. And it's not, like... I think that we think, well, yeah, I mean, the quarterback should be protected and be clean. If you're going to have deep routes, they can only keep you clean for so long. So, like, when you're watching actual pass plays developing, like, the linemen are holding on, and this is true of a lot of teams, for dear life at that point. Yeah. So, like, there can't be an expectation of, well, why did Kirk get hit on that deep pass to Jefferson? Because they held out probably as long as they possibly could, and the commanders were damn good. That defensive line was good. So, like, this is all, again... It's we are getting a look that we ordinarily don't get, which is awesome, but it causes us to question things that the coaching staff probably has less questions about, at least sometimes. Let's keep going here on Feedback Friday. Matt Skubic. Skubic? Skubic. We're going to go with. Been a listener of the show for a few years now. Just wanted to give you guys a bold prediction heading into the 2023 season. All right. The Netflix documentary series that came out, I believe America is going to fall in love with Kirk Cousins. Look at uh, Joel Damon from the PGA Netflix documentary. Yeah. When people can learn more about these athletes, it gives you a more like more of a likelihood to cheer for them on game day. Uh, Joel Damon was toward the bottom of social media following. Now he blew up after the Netflix series on professional golf. He was a very likable personality. Um, I'm hoping Kirk has, uh, Kirk has a great 2023, and we'll have to just stay tuned. Yeah. Do you think? And we're we're only like two days into this thing. You give it another week for more people to be able to watch it. But do you think the general public, do you think his approval rating, Kirk's like general public approval rating will go up after this docuseries? Uh, yes, I do. Me too. But I think more than in anything, what it's going to do is embolden the Kirk fans to like him more. Um, I mean, he's likable, like, like off the field and stuff. He comes across as a, likable guy but do i think that like all of the people that bash kirk are now going to say well he's a great dad so no um i actually think that his rating within the kirk fiefdom is going to increase a lot like because people are going to be like this is this is what we knew and this is great um here's the thing with kirk though guys do you think when we talk about this I don't think anyone has ever like thought that Kirk is like a bad guy or something like that as a person. Yeah. So, you know, I think the people that criticize Kirk are demanding things on the field. Do I think that those people are going to change a lot? Probably not. But I mean, he is a likable dude. I'm not going to take that from from him. He is a, in some ways, he is a very relatable human being. Yeah, I think his stock is going to go up from the general public. 
Um, I don't know if it's on the, like Joel Damon and Kirk, like that's not a great comparison. Like Damon's is one of the guys who likes to drink some beers and be the 88th ranked golfer in the yeah. world. Like, he's that's super self-deprecating too. And like, yeah. kind of, he's kind of an Eeyore personality. That's not, that's not as much Kirk. But I do think his stock is on the rise because of this documentary. How is, how he's perceived at least. I, I do think it's on the rise. Yeah. People, I think maybe it hasn't been, the public hasn't been reminded of just how much of an underdog story Kirk has been throughout his football career. At this point now, the last six years, he's had these guaranteed contracts. He's been one of the highest paid quarterbacks. And I think he's actually made like top three money of any quarterback the last six or seven years, just in terms of like cash in his bank account. Sure. So, so it's underdog is not the first thing you think of now when you think of Kirk. But if you go back to like high school, college, Michigan state, he was he was not highly recruited. He was not like an all state player in high school. He didn't win state championships. Then he gets drafted as a backup. I think people are kind of reminded of oh yeah like that that is a huge part of his story. And then you see him just getting his brains beat out every other clip with these hits that he's taking. I think it's endearing to be reminded of the underdog story and to see him getting up off the mat and continuing to push forward. The, the comeback against the Colts, the comeback against the Buffalo Bills. So I do think his stock's going to go up, yes. From a football standpoint, I will say one thing to keep in mind. The Vikings saw this Kirk and far more. Like, th- this, is a, this is a snapshot of Kirk. It's, you know, in the case of Mahomes, Kirk, and Mariota as much as possible. Probably not a lot. It's as favorable as you can possibly get with, with still being true to who the player was. The Vikings saw all of this in 2022 and still decided not to extend him. It's an interesting thing. It is. Yeah, that's a great point. Everything we're seeing times a thousand, right? They saw. They took all that information in, Kevin O'Connell and and Quasey and everyone, and they elected. And it did it didn't unless the reporting was way off, it didn't sound like the Vikings made a bunch of fair offers, and it was Kirk and his camp. Like Kirk has made it clear, I want to be here. I want to finish my career here. And it's it's more that the Vikings are kind of saying, we'd like to keep our options open, right? Yeah, that's how so, I take it. Uh, let's see here. Brian North says, one point I want to make is how much this quarterback documentary shows how easy it is for a lot of guys to like playing with Kirk. He's a tough SOB. He's a really good quarterback. And to me, there's no more than nine or ten quarterbacks better than him right now. That is until you get to a playoff game with huge implications and he throws short of the sticks on fourth down and makes you remember, oh, yeah, we might need a reset. Isn't that like that's a great summation by Brian And that yep. you can say that he is such a gray area quarterback. He is probably one of the ten. I think we all had him like ninth, tenth and eleventh in our quarterback rankings. right? So he's like, let's call him a top ten quarterback in the world. All these crazy stats hanging in there with sore ribs, fourth quarter comebacks. But then there's just like certain things about him that are limiting, especially relative to the price that you're paying him. And, you know, he, he can make all the logical reasons, which he did in the in the docuseries for why he threw that pass to TJ Hawkinson. But at the end of the day, it's like Mahomes ain't throwing that pass to TJ Hawkinson. Well, here Andy the- Reid might not be calling that play either, by the way. The play call wasn't the greatest play call. Absolutely, but here's the thing about that that play. And the documentary uh, does a pretty good job of breaking down the pass to Jefferson against Buffalo. And the Giants game, I felt like they didn't really add much. But here's the thing that crystallizes with, when you binge this entire thing, and it's those two plays. Against Buffalo, in Buffalo, in a huge regular season game, like as far as the flow of the game, two really good teams at the time, 
Kirk Cousins makes a throw to Justin Jefferson where your jaw drops. And as great as that catch was, Kirk Cousins made that throw. Like he obviously put the ball in a place where this unbelievably talented receiver could catch it. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all like, oh, my God. Like that is I, – I think our first statement, each one of us was far more that's more unkirk than that. that's a great catch. And it was a phenomenal catch. In fact, I think got the SB for catch of the year or play of the year. But against the Giants with the same sort of thing, right? Big stakes. This is going to be it. He checked the ball down. So that that note is absolutely perfect. And I guess my question becomes this. And yes, the play call probably was was not great. But keep in mind, too, we don't know what the play call was on the Jefferson play because that was a hope ball he threw there. And what we really get into then is why when the season was on the line. And don't tell me Jefferson was double covered against the Giants. He was. Look at the coverage against Buffalo. Right. He's double covered. The safety's right there. He's, he's more said, than double covered, it feels like, yeah. on that play. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I, that's the thing. In the Bills game, he says, we're going to throw it to Justin because Jefferson's going to have to make a play for us. He, I think he said that, like, going into the play. We're going to throw you a jump ball. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, we're going to throw you a jump ball. You're going to have to make a play for us. But then in the Giants wild card game, I believe Kirk says in that testimony in, in, in the doc that it wouldn't he, – he, paraphrasing again, but he said, it wouldn't be fair for me to throw that ball to J.J. being double covered. Yeah. So like it completely contradicted the first throw to the bit. Like his reasoning makes no sense. It wouldn't be fair. He's the best wide receiver. I'd much rather you go out and if that ball gets picked or if it's just uncatchable, I would much rather see that than throw underneath the sticks to TJ Hawkinson five yards short of the first down marker. Okay. Let's, ah. there's, there's, there's some threads here. Let me keep going here. So John, John Robertson chimes in. John Robertson wants to stir the pot here. Judd, you bring up the SBs, the play of the year. And he says, I got a little reckless speculation for you guys. Did you happen to see the ESPYs when Justin Jefferson won play of the year during his thank you speech? He said, like everyone else, I want to thank the man upstairs, my family. Never mention the quarterback who threw him the ball on that play. Any other wide receiver well, would have mentioned the quarterback. And then yep. when he was asked on social media to name yep. his top five quarterbacks, Kirky boy was not part of the top five. Is there an issue with Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins? John Robertson. This is John Robertson. Okay. That's J-O-H-N. Okay. Don't put this on us. He's stirring the pot. I've been dying to get at the second part of this especially. Now, I I did not watch the ESPYs, so I missed the um, thank you speech by Justin Jefferson. But I've been dying to get at the second part of the top five because it's interesting. Okay. So one Justin Jefferson's list is probably dead on accurate. Like he is, Kirk Cousins is not a top five quarterback. That being said, however, when that's your quarterback, it is a little bit odd. You don't try and like shoehorn shoehorn him in to number five. Um, yeah, don't you don't you put him in there just to so, make everyone feel good? Well, and, put and him Justin, at, just number four, maybe. You know? And if you watch the clip that was released of Jefferson doing the ranking, he said, and I mean this is no this is not a problem, but he said, you know, like at number two or three, got got to include my guy Joe Burrow. It's my guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did find it. I found the list to be honest, accurate, and very, very probably fair and on point. All of that being said. I don't think you can completely ignore that he didn't put his quarterback on that list. And look, I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And we also, this doesn't mean that Justin Jefferson has to not like Kirk. Like, I hate Kirk Cousins, okay? Um, 
But Justin Jefferson's going to be very acutely aware, especially as he signs his extension, of who his quarterback is going to be and what direction, and he should be. Um, the thing about it is, I think we, I think fans sometimes think, well, Jefferson's going to get paid. Who cares? Well, if three schleps who do a Purple Daily podcast each day say, before we die, we would like to see this team win a Super Bowl. Guess what? Justin Jefferson, whose career is going to be, you know, relatively short because careers aren't super long in this league, is probably thinking, how can you pair me, because I'm at the mercy of the quarterback, with a quarterback who's going to win me a Super Bowl before I die. So, like, it is interesting. And let it be known that the Jefferson family, at least, at least his brother does watch Purple Daily. We saw that. We saw that piece on Reddit, okay? So they are they are Hello, Jefferson family. Of our, of our, Love of you guys. Our, uh, of our mission statement. Hey, Justin. Big fans. Um, I, you know, there is a part two to that quarterback rankings video. Everyone's making a big deal of the first part. There's a part two where he does rank the rest of the quarterbacks, and he had Jared Goff just a couple takes above Kirk Cousins, just just like me. Oh, so, God. yeah. Just, Did you just see that? that out there. there? There was a list that actually came out, I forget from whom, Last week, ranking the NFC quarterbacks. It was like an ESPN segment or something. Jared Goff was one. Kirk Cousins was two. Okay. There was a, and then there was another one. It was like, who would you, it was an ESPN segment of some I kind. Like, who would you want to have the ball in their hand? NFC North quarterbacks, ball in their, like, ball in their hand with a chance to win the game. And, and they were debating Jared Goff or Justin Fields. It's like, <laughs> I okay. I thought That's of you, bad. though. Jared, the Jared Goff love that comes from this show because of you is spilling throughout the nation, sweeping the nation. Stuart Gonzalez Blank chimes in and says, something I noticed watching quarterback on Netflix, watching Mahomes focus more on strength and conditioning during his workouts, Cousins focusing more on rest and recovery in his. Yeah, I mean, it also might just be Cousins had to focus on rest and recovery because his rib cage was being bashed in. But, like, in what we saw, Mahomes with his workouts, with his personality, aggressive, constantly pushing, right? And Cousins, a little more calculated, a little more conservative, just a little bit, like, takes Tuesdays off. Ages too, though. In fairness to him, like, he's, what, 35? he's he's, what, eight years older or whatever, or seven years older. So, yeah. That didn't occur to me as a problem. Ken Engel chimes in and says, I love the Vikings. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. Feel you there, Ken. Feel you there, buddy. Uh, Jake Donovan, just wondering when you guys did your all-time Vikings draft for offense. How come nobody picked Randall Cunningham as their starting quarterback? So Dex Cunning well, or uh, I, I had Farvo nine, Culpepper, Parkinson, Culpepper. I saw two rounds on this. That being the first one, and then the second one being why didn't you pick him as the backup? Because he technically entered '98 as the oh. backup. Which, wow, that's a great point. If you're going to put Case Keenum on that backup list, you have to put yep. around. Yeah, Cunningham. so like right. I got that's that. I just think I think we all just kind of assumed that he was a starter, which was not the case. Um, right. Point. But then yeah. he came, obviously, like the offensive player of the year. So yeah, I mean, should we have probably just included Cunningham instead of Gus Farratt, like I did? Yes. Um, also, I got a note that said, "How does Declan just praise John David Booty any chance he gets? He doesn't take him as his backup." And I was like, well, wow, I, I what need, a missed I, opportunity. I know I missed opportunity, but I, I did need someone who point. could actually come off the bench and, and win some games. Which Maybe a guy that actually did. played in an NFL yeah, game before. Help. Yeah, Be not just the Rose Bowl. <laughs> uh, before we get to a little bit more feedback here, a couple things. If you guys could click the subscribe button and the like button on this live video here. And by the way, we're, we're live just after 10 o'clock Central Time every Friday morning. We're discussing whether we should go live a little more often in the regular season. So we may or may not, but right now uh, 
at least in the off season, the Friday live stream is the only time that we're live until uh, in season vent line starts. So we've clicked the like button, the subscribe button, and let's also shout out our friends at the 3M Open. So that is a super fun event, and more and more top pros continue to opt into this tournament, Declan. Yeah, we got Billy Horschel. Always always a really good bet for me on on strokes with Billy Horschel. Don't sleep on some Billy Horschel. We've seen those prop bets. You got Gary <laughs> He also shot like an 85 or something crazy in a mm-hmm. tournament a couple weeks ago and cried at the podium. Just like, I don't know, melt my heart, man. He's a real yeah. human being, that Billy Horschel. Just like me. I shoot, you know, one. if I have a meltdown and I shoot 118 or something, like, yeah, there might be some tears in the drive home. But at least Tony Finau is coming back to defend that championship. Great feel. Go to 3mopen.com to get your tickets today. It's a whole week, July 24th through the 30th, too. You can watch some of the best golfers in the world. Go to 3mopen.com to get your tickets. Yes, and speaking of golf, so at EcoFun right now, they have these ridiculous, awesome, souped-up golf carts. There's a buck 250 four-seat EFI golf cart in stock mm. for $64.99. They also carry these things in 400cc with four-wheel drive for $82.99. So if you just want, maybe you live in a neighborhood or something, and you just want a badass golf cart to ride around, go to the neighbors, go pick up the kids, whatever, check these things out. You can stop in to one of the two metro locations off 35 north of the Twin Cities in Forest Lake or 35W uh, south end of the metro in Burnsville, ecofunmotorsports.com, ecofunmotorsports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, Ann Keen chimes in and says... Judd says he chose Chris Carter for his Mount Rushmore or for. Uh, yes, this was on Purple, Purple Access. Access. Got it. Okay. Despite, quote, people not liking him, why yeah. is that? He's one of my favorite Vikings players of all time. Is it due to how Chris Carter treated the press? What did Judd mean by that? Um, I've talked about this before. Chris Carter wasn't exactly the most. Um, well-liked guy chris carter was in in the end very about chris carter which is not surprising wide receivers are weird so it's not like it's not like cc was the only one who was a bit odd uh but uh chris could be how can i put this well off-putting how about that might be very off-putting like i'm not the this is not a zolgadian exclusive of i'm breaking the news that chris carter there have been plenty of stories as i'm sure dex can tell you too about Chris Carter. Yeah, my my dad loathed Chris Carter. Just wow. could not stand him. Now, he didn't like Moss's act. I remember him uh, absolutely being beside himself when Moss walked off the field uh, against Washington in what was that? was 03, 04. I forget which one it was. Um, but he he especially, though, did not Four. like Chris Carter. Could not stand him. 
Now, you know, to Chris Carter's point, he cleaned up his life. You know, he got his life together with the Vikings, did a lot of great things. Um, and there's certainly a faction of people who love Chris Carter for what he did and what he stands for. But there is definitely a, a realm of people that were very annoyed and could not stand him. Even as someone who was young as me, who saw only the tail end of Chris Carter, that's what I was told from my elders, if you will. And just to be very clear about this, though, because it's important. If the guy was just considered to be sort of a bad guy or not a friendly guy, and he was like the first player that you loved, this shouldn't change your opinion. So, like, I, I think we also hold players to a standard if we find out that, that they're a jerk. Now, if they turn out to have done something criminally, the Darren Sharpers, who's a despicable person, totally different. But, you know, just because Chris Carter might have been an off-putting guy, if you loved the way that he played the game and bought a jersey, I don't want my opinion or Declan to sway you at all. Because I grew up, you know, a fan of Tarkington and crew. And I can tell you right now, there are stories about them as far as being people back then um, that aren't completely flattering. But you know what? I was a kid. I don't give a yeah. damn. I love them on Sundays or when I saw them play. So I just don't, I don't want my words about what I think about a person just as a person to influence your feeling. If you love that player, you should love that player. I think too, like in today's age, just everything gets out now, right? Back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. even 90s, a lot of that stuff never, if somebody was a jerk behind the scenes or somebody treated someone poorly or whatever, like, or or even if they were out being an idiot in public or something, like a lot of that stuff never got out. And so now it just, you almost have to, if you want to, separate your love for a player in the arena that they're playing in versus the unless it's something criminal, right? Right. I mean, like yeah. almost all the guys that I grew up idolizing just on the field, Kirby Puckett, Kevin Garnett, Randy Moss, like all these guys were either extremely hard to get along with behind the scenes or committed other transgressions that are not ideal, right? And it's just I don't know. I'm I guess I try to just silo it off to a certain point. Yep, I really love this player on the field, on you know, on the court, whatever it was. I don't hold players like if they're just sort of like bad guys. I don't hold them as as athletes to like a standard of well, if you're not like Kirk is, if you're not a really great guy, that's a problem. Uh, this is the answer though to the question, and I think Phil and Dex can back me up on this. To when people ask, well. You cover the team and you're not a big fan. When you're around the people, it becomes very hard to be a fan of the team because then you see the flaws. But that's a that to be very very clear on this is as an adult. So like when you're a kid, if you that's because kids aren't given media passes. Well, but it's also I'm just saying kids shouldn't be like, well, if you hear this guy's not a good guy, then you know what? No, Randy Moss was a transformational talent. It was awesome. Yeah, people can make their own decisions. How much do you want to separate art from artist, basically? Uh, Jordan Wilmot says, I'm a 29-year-old from the northwest part of South Dakota. The, the northwest part of South Dakota? Okay. So, like, near Montana. Yes. Yep. Yes. Kind yes. of up, up that direction. Yep. Uh, grew up a huge Vikings fan. Also a fan of the Miami Heat, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New York Yankees. So He's a Vikings, Heat, Penguins, and Yankees fan. Wow. All for different reasons and different times. Miami for Shaq and the Wade run. Yankees around the same time. Penguins around 2008. 
I watch your show daily. Love the show. Was wondering if any of you guys were close to being fans of any other teams outside of the Minnesota sports teams in your life. Uh, I I loved uh, Don McNabb with the Eagles. I, in fact, both sixth and seventh grade yearbook photos for old Dex tweets are in a Eagles Don McNabb jersey. I Mom love allowed the Eagles. that. Yep, Mom allowed that, and Dad mostly. Dad was pissed. Mom didn't care. Dad was pissed. Mom. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think, uh, like outside of Minnesota of teams that I really, really like, you know, like I, I played a lot of NHL and I always liked the Kings jerseys, you know, as classic, as a young kid, you're impressionable, you see jerseys and you get kind of impressioned by that as a young Mm -hmm. kid. Uh, so I definitely liked the Kings trying to think with baseball. I mean, I, I just grew up loving the twins, so I don't really remember me. Cubs for us, right, Phil? Yeah. So I, yeah, I'll give you my yeah. I'll give you my list here. So uh Charlotte Hornets, because I had a Charlotte Hornets starter jacket when I was a kid. Everyone had one of those, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. I had time? like a three year run as a Charlotte Hornets fan. And the Wolves were awful when I was a kid. And then when the Wolves became competent, I watch I, I watched the Wolves and stuff, but but the Hornets were kind of my first uh I grew up because I was born in the mid eighties and I don't really remember the North Stars being here because they moved when I was like seven or eight years old. So I grew up from age eight until 15 without a local hockey team. So I became a Detroit Red Wings fan in the nineties. Front runners. Part of it was geography. Part of it was, they were were awesome. And Russians. Yeah. Fedorov and Iserman. They had a a Mm -hmm. great team. And then I have my dad's side of the family and my dad grew up in Chicago. His my So my grandma lived in Kankakee, Illinois. So my family from the Illinois and Chicago area, the Cubs and the Bulls were always kind of my secondary teams. So I was a I was a huge fan of the Cubs and the Bulls, and I still I don't know I, I root for the Cubs. I'm kind of the Bulls don't really matter. Once Jordan retired, it was like all right, I'm not going to root for Eddie Curry. Right. I'm sorry. All due respect to Tyson Chandler, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I think I've always um, I don't think I've been a fan of in any team. Huge fan in football, hockey. I sort of like the Blackhawks when the North Stars left. NBA, no, but baseball. June of '82. I've always told this story. June of 82, the cable guy came to our house and they turned on the cable and there are the Pirates and Cubs, like I think it was a Friday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon from Wrigley. Yeah. I sat down and I probably didn't start move time, probably. Six. The leadoff man would start at like one, one o'clock with Vince Lloyd, the leadoff man, followed by at that time, uh, Harry, Harry Carey and Lou Boudreaux. And then, and then Milo Hamilton in innings four, five, and six. But anyway, I fell in love with the Cubs. Yep. Day baseball, it's, true day baseball. Too. I would watch it's, the Cubs in the nineties every day. Either there was always one twenty or two twenty start times every single day. It is weird how impressionable you are as a kid because, like, I um, could not stand the steroid era in baseball and thought steroid because my dad just loathed them. Um, and I gravitated towards that. I even wrote like a bunch of research papers and like things on anabolic steroids, even in classrooms and co- in high school and middle school of like how bad it was out. and stuff. But then as I got older, like it's, it's a shame that these guys aren't in the hall of fame. Then like it, I, I flipped it. Wow. I remember like a couple of years ago, my sister's like, didn't you as a kid, like used to despise Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and all those guys. I was like, I did. And then I grew up and learned a little bit more about it and they should 100% be in the hall of fame. So it's weird how, as a kid, you're very impressionable, and then as you get older as an adult, you kind of put some of those things aside or how you can learn from it and kind of look at it from a different point of view, too. Dude, I remember, like, I because that 98 season, as a Cubs fan, big time at the time, was one of the greatest summers of all time. And we could get WGN Radio 
sometimes in the summer on a clear day, you could yeah. get that radio station oh, in yeah. Minnesota. So I'd be like listening to to uh, Pat Hughes, right? Yep. on the call and Ron Santo to see if Sosa was going to hit his like 61st home run or whatever. Yep. So I got one one more here quick for you guys. And, uh, and we will, we will pump out an official third installment of our Netflix quarterback recap too, for the weekend, but f- that won't be live. We're going to do that separately and probably release it tomorrow. Frank Marino says, this needs to be stated on your show on Friday. Think about this. The two expansion teams from 1976, Tampa Bay and Seattle, have both won Super Bowls before the Vikings. They sucked for 30 years. The New Orleans Saints sucked for 50 years, have won a Super Bowl before us, and cheap-shotted us on top of it. If the Lions win a ring before us, Judd owes everybody steak dinners at Manny's. I oh. co-sign this with Frank. Why Mino. is it on me? With us because, because I you're, love, you're I love the this sports note. dad. The sports dad should pay for his sports children's well, meals. Well, the sports dad's going to be going to the oh, Hubbard Empire to tap into them, and they can cover the bill for all of us to have. However us. you have to get it done. It's your treat at Manny's. If and the Lions... one bite of my blue steak. One bite. I need one <laughs> bite from you. If the Lions win a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I don't approve of that. Serve I can do Dex. that. It, yeah, I'm fine with that. If the Lions win a Super Bowl before the Vikings, I think it would be more than just like me buying steaks. Would you have hey, to shut? You have to shut the franchise down if that. I, I mean, think yeah. about just think about the implication. Turn it, turn, turn it down. Turn it down. I've never thought down. about this, but he just put he just laid something out that's very frightening. That's a, like a great point. Two expansion teams won a Super Bowl. Um. Yeah. My oh, damn God. Frank. Frank, you son of a. Speaking this into existence. All right, yeah, keep you can keep hitting us up throughout the week. Feedback tab in the Scorner Thap uh, YouTube comment sections, and we get to as many as we can on these Friday live streams presented by Surly. You know, Frank gets the Surly question of the day. Pour one out for for Frank. Popping, for, I'm popping the shirt. Old guy popping the shirt. God, am I cool? I'm so hip. So cool. So cool. I'm so hip. So hip and so cool, just like uh, Danny Tanner. From Full House. That's pretty much you. The sports dad himself. All right. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on this Friday. We are less than two weeks away. Are we less than two weeks away? We're about two weeks away from Vikings training camp. Two weeks from uh, tomorrow. Two weeks from yep, Saturday. The twenty, the 29th. And uh, you can see the sports dad down there with his little binoculars. Trying to see who's lining up for special teams reps. I, You know what? Sunglasses? I am super excited. I got to go buy Sunglasses? some. Sunglasses? I am very excited, though, for training camp. Old Macadac might make his return after about I saw five that. years. Yeah, be, mm-hmm. you'd be welcomed out there. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us here. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Purple Daily.